0: welcome to season three of the thrills and chills podcast brought to you by sharebird and clue this is a show all about establishing product marketing and being the first product marketer i'm your host jd prater Today we are talking with the talented Julia Zatar, the head of product marketing at Loom, all about scaling yourself within a high growth startup. Before we do, let's give a quick shout out to our sponsor Clue, that's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. Julia, welcome to Thrills and Chills. Really excited for this conversation because you've now been at Loom, which I'm an active user, big fan (laughs) of videos. You've been there for roughly two years now, but what I'm curious is what was it like in the beginning joining Loom as like a senior PMM and now you're the head of product marketing. Take us on that journey
1: yeah so it was january 6th 2020 i remember very clearly i was hired by our vp of marketing at the time and he hired two product marketers at the same time a product marketer and a senior product marketer which was me and we were a marketing team of three and we didn't grow that much in that first year so that was an interesting journey and the company grew but the marketing team didn't grow that much and yeah that's how it all started basically
0: I just can't believe this. So again, on the outside looking in, there's no way that there's only three people, right? Like, I just can't believe this because you're everywhere. I see Loom everywhere. Like, I think this also speaks highly of the PLG, the product-led growth side of Loom, which we're going to get into in just a second. But like, that is just crazy because they've been around for a while a ton of traction, like 14 million users plus now, that's not a small feat. And that's really hard to do without some kind of marketing. But I am excited that two product marketers coming in at the same time, again, like that just shows how valuable the set is. So coming in, what were some of the first projects or some of the first things like you kind of like wanted to tackle, knowing that instead of your small team, you have to prioritize?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because what I didn't just say is I was hired as the PMM for integrations and my counterpart, George, was hired to do core product. But what ended up happening is because there was only two of us, we just basically were doing a lot of everything. So one of the first major projects was the dreaded sales deck. But the biggest kind of project that we launched in May was new pricing and packaging. So we launched the beta of our team's product back in May 2020. And so it was kind of a sprint towards that. In the middle of that, of course, the pandemic happened. And we actually made a pricing change as that happened as well. We made it free for education, basically. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, there was no marketing materials. So we just were kind of doing everything. (laughs) Prioritization was very hard, let's just say.
0: (laughs) So... You're like, basically, you're coming in, you're wanting to focus on product marketing, but you're really having to be this full stack marketer and really going end to end with a lot of this stuff. That kind of excites me. I don't know. As someone now, like going back into early stage startup, I'm our only marketer right now. I am hiring for a PMM, but it's kind of fun. Kind of doing every day is literally different. You're going back and forth. I've been in roles where sole focus, product marketing, and you can go really deep. And I think that's like that kind of fun so for you now how does that look now I think I saw you're doing some hiring and the, and the marketing yes. team is growing
1: so yeah I'll just touch on like the fun of doing a little bit of everything because I know your audience is some people are looking to break into product marketing or come to smaller companies but I used a lot of my previous experience in PR to just be useful to the team and hit the ground running. Pricing and packaging was the major focus and the project, but I was also helping out with PR when we raised our Series B plus. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that. But in terms of where we are at now, yes, we are growing. I actually have a lifecycle marketer reporting to me now as well, so we kind of include that in the product marketing stack. And then we're hiring a product marketer for our ecosystem, so that role has evolved. I'm kind of replacing myself, and we're also hiring PMM for enterprise, so that person will work to position us more up market, working closely with sales, but also on the new product stuff that we're shipping for more like larger customers.
0: Oh man, that's like super exciting. There's a lot to unpack here. So I'm going to take these in order here. I want to touch on PR. So going from PR into product marketing, that's a move. And I know a lot of people are trying to break into product marketing. I love to touch on that. I want to touch a little bit on pricing and packaging, and then I want to talk on this headcount. So kick us off here with this PR background, which means you're probably really good at messaging and writing. (laughs) So how did you take that skill, which I can see is very applicable, but breaking into product marketing, someone taking that chance or that risk on you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am a huge believer in PR people Converting into product marketers, if that's what they're interested in. I think the difference is that you get to flex your analytical muscles in PMM. So if that is a skill of yours that you're underutilizing, that's what's fun about breaking into product marketing. But exactly as you said, the common thread in my career is messaging. So I started out in like doing crisis communications, actually working with Fortune 100 Australian equivalent at the time companies who were doing hiring a new CEO, announcing financials and stuff like that, and so that. Was all messaging and we went really deep. Like that was almost exclusively the job. And so that set me up really well to do, which is a core function of PMM, which is messaging. That's kind of like we are the linchpin of messaging in a company. Everyone comes to us for that. So I actually had meandering kind of track before that. I also worked in kind of like a consulting role for the Australian government where I was also kind of doing like marketing, a little bit of BD and partnerships, but going deep on technology. So I kind of packaged all of that up and was like, I want to get closer to the core of the business. And that's why I wanted to move into product marketing. So I used my skills in messaging to repackage what I had done. And I was lucky to get a role at WiseLine in product marketing. And then once you have the title, it becomes really easy. I get a ton of inbound now just because I have the title. So I think that's kind of one way in.
0: Yeah, 100%. And one thing I also want to highlight within your background is you've been a co-founder. And what I've found just in doing this podcast, like we're on season three now, first PMMs, people establishing product marketing, there is this entrepreneurial spirit running through all of these people. I find that it's very true. And then you've taken these skills, but you also can couple it with, I can go figure this out. Like I'm an entrepreneur, I have some grit and I'm going to get there. Do you think that that has helped you to where you are now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think a PMM superpower is being able to see the big picture and then also like relationship building with all the different parts of the organization and then really being the person that brings it all together. And so if you don't love being in the weeds, like I have always liked big picture, which is hard when you first start out your career because people are like, hey, that's not your job to think big picture. Like you got to go do this, minute task. But the beauty of product marketing is like natively or whatever the, word is like inherently cross-functional and big picture thinking of course you have to do like focused things as well but so I think being entrepreneurial and pattern matching that kind of thing is a great skill for PMMs for sure.
0: Yeah. For those out there listening, if this sounds like you, if this, you're starting to like nod your head, you might be a good first PMM. So I wanted to, the second piece was like, you took on pricing and packaging, which is one of those, it can be daunting, like pricing and packaging. Again, it's so different. Right. And I'm curious, like being product led, talk to me about pricing and packaging in a product led company. This is a little bit different than B2B SaaS, or even like that enterprise level demo contact us where are hiding our pricing.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we started out really growing through individual users and then we saw that there were teams starting to use video messaging and asynchronous video in a way that was like collaborative. And so we wanted to introduce a team's product and that this was actually decided before I joined. So at Loom, pricing and packaging is definitely co-owned. It's not exclusively owned by product marketing. It's kind of executive Product and product marketing co-own it, and then biz ops as well. So we decided to create teams, packages, but. We didn't really have any benchmarks to compare this to. So a lot of it was (laughs) guesswork and we did do research, but there's only so much research you can do and then you have to kind of take a bet. So we released the beta in May and yeah, I mean, we just kind of, you don't have a choice. We were growing so fast. You just have to grab the bull by the horns and figure it out. And that's where those problem solving skills come in handy. If you happen to be a little bit analytical, you don't have to be able to crunch numbers in a spreadsheet. You can tap people in the organization who can do that to help you, but yeah.
0: Nice. How often do you return back to or revisit packaging and pricing once it's kind of out there? Is it something you guys look at on a quarterly basis or you just kind of like leave it alone? Like, let's just see what happens.
1: Yeah. So we launched the beta in May and then we had to release it to kind of like the GA of pricing and packaging. And in the interim, we made more changes, which we shipped in October last year. And then the challenge with pricing and packaging is in your ideal scenario, you'd sit down and you'd have six months to figure it all out, and <laughs> analyze it from 50 different angles. And you, the reality is you'd still probably not get it right. And so with each iteration, we kind of learned things. So in October, we made changes, we introduced a five minute limit, and that was great for monetization. But then we realized some things that we had introduced were like blocking growth. And so we revisited it again in June this year, we made more changes. And then like, you kind of create growth and benefits and then like sometimes engagement drops. And so you have to kind of keep coming back to it, even though in an ideal world, you're like, we'd only do this once a year. I think you have to be careful because you don't want to lose trust with your users and be constantly changing things. But right now we're kind of evolving and starting to do smaller experiments and learn more before kind of introducing any major changes again. So yeah, I don't think we necessarily have a playbook. I've spoken about pricing and packaging before and it's really a lot of learning as you go.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's great advice too, because I think a lot of times I know in my own world, it's like, it can feel daunting. It can feel like you get this imposter syndrome. You're like, I don't know. Like, I'm just going to go open up five companies that I like. look at their pricing. And I will personally admit right now, your pricing page, I love so much. I copied the design and built (laughs) it in Webflow. And so at Osmos, you go to our pricing page, it looks the exact same because I loved how it was so well laid out. So anyway, just wanted to share that with that. I loved your pricing so much. That's where I was ultimately going was this compliment.
1: No, thank you. And like, don't worry, we looked at other people's pricing and packaging (laughs) for inspiration as well. So I think that's just how it goes.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And so number three, I'm sure the listeners are, now we're talking about growth. We're talking about hiring people and this is a big inflection point, right? I mean, you went from you and George, you had a VP, guys were doing everything full stack. A year and a half later, you're now hiring and not hiring just like one person. I mean, you listed off like three or four roles there. Talk to me about getting that approval and that buy-in and how did you decide on those specific roles?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So context is we hired a new SVP in July. So there was a period where we didn't have a VP of marketing. So she joined recently and honestly, like that has been a huge unlock for us for headcount. So not only are we growing the product marketing team, we've grown demand gen, we've grown performance marketing, community like PR, we actually finally hired someone, an expert, (laughs) not me. To do that job. And then we've just grown so much. When I started, we had 40 people. Now we have 162, something like that. And so workload has just continued to grow. And our product management team has grown a lot as well. When I started, there weren't any product managers. And now there's like, I don't even know the number. I know I should, but because it's just changing every day. But yeah, so we decided basically because now I'm managing the team, I have to replace myself. So that was a kind of easy decision to make. And then then we have a big gap in enabling the sales team. So we did have some help there that was reporting into the sales team, but we've really decided to bring that over into product marketing and have someone dedicated to that as well as focusing on the product side that is appealing to the admin. So that's where we're starting. Honestly, I feel like we're actually only hiring two right now, but you know, we could easily f- have enough work for four, like four <laughs> new people.
0: <laughs> Those are always yeah. like the really fun problems to have. It's like, okay, we've got enough work here. All right, well, I'll just take what I can get for now and make that justification next year. But yeah, I loved it because I wanted to just, like highlight a few things like executive approval and buy-in is so key. It's so key. Like once you get that unlock of either like they understand marketing or they like marketing, you know what I mean? Like I've worked in companies where that wasn't always the case. It was a really tough justification for even my own role. And now you're like, okay, cool. You get it. You get what you need. Fantastic. Like, let's do this. And like, let's go with it. But I think it's also a testament to you and to you and George, right? Of like being really good PMMs and being able to bring a, a ton of value into the company. And they obviously see that. So kudos to you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. But we're still, <laughs> it's a forever journey educating the people internally what product marketing does. So we're still getting there. We're still evolving, but I think, yes, people can see our value now and we're able to more than double the team. So that must be a good sign.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think something else that was kind of interesting too is again, from the outside looking in 40 people, like everything just seems, if you would have asked me two years ago, how many people I've been like, oh, 250 plus. And like, you've grown to a thousand. I mean, it's just so also just like good job. I mean, it's become so, at least in my world, a lot more ubiquitous. Like I see Loom all the time. I use Loom all the time. We're trying to get more adoption internally, as hey. especially <laughs> with the remote side of things, because like you said, like sometimes i just need to do like a quick demo to go show you something it's like hey this is what i need you to go do or this is what i need to do instead of here's 20 slack messages going back and forth it gets lost in interpretation or sending an email or you're trying to schedule a call with a busy schedule so i completely see the value in loom and i hope everyone out there if you haven't used it go check it out because it's really cool once you get stuck in
1: Yeah, it really changes how you communicate. We dog food it internally and I can't imagine working without it now. I'm not doing that because I'm the product marketer. It's just crazy how embedded it becomes in your everyday.
0: A hundred percent. One thing I was going to ask you when coming into this role, so you have a slightly different background. You spent some time at WiseLine. You were there for two years and then you're coming in to be one of the first PMMs. Like you came in as a senior PMM. How did you know that you were ready to make that jump into this new role?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So at Wiseline, it was interesting. The company was doing both products and services. So it was my first kind of real taste of what PMM is. And I decided I loved it. So I was like, my next step has to be at a actual product company. And I came across Loom in that job, actually through my boss, Caroline, shout out to her. We used it internally a little bit for sales enablement. And I was like, this is going to be huge. I just had a gut feeling. And I think more than me thinking I'm ready to be the first PMM, I was like, I'm ready to join this company because I am bullish on their growth. And the VP of marketing at the time was a product marketing background. So he knew that hiring product marketers as the first marketers on the team is a good place to start because we kind of are the jack of all trades. So I think I knew that it was still early. I knew that my superpower is being a jack of all trades. So I wasn't kind of afraid of not being able to do the job. And then I was just very excited about the company video for work. I just had a feeling it was going to be big.
0: Oh, well, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's just a lot of times you're just kind of wondering, right? Of like, what company should I join? When should I join? Am I ready for that? And sometimes that self-doubt can like kind of creep in, but um glad to see that you had a pretty good idea of the company and where they were and agree on like being the bullish, right? Like picking something that you think Right? Like, is this going to go somewhere rather than just kind of a lifestyle job? So that's always good. But I'm curious now, as we ask all of our guests, is the thrills and chills of your product marketing career? So looking back, right, I'm sure you've had some highs and some lows. Talk us through some of those.
1: Yeah, I think the high was earlier this year in June. We launched the Loom SDK, so our platform. So we haven't spoken a lot about what Loom is, but it's asynchronous video for work. And the beauty of the tool is that based in URL sharing, so you can copy the link and kind of put it anywhere. And to really supercharge that, we decided to build a platform so that anyone can take Loom and integrate it into their productivity tool, their training app, their design app, doesn't really matter. Anything that could benefit from richer communication can benefit from Loom. So the companies had been talking about it for a while When I joined was part of the reason I was hired PMM for integrations and we didn't start it earnest until December, 2020. And then we aggressively hired an engineering team and launched an alpha in four months and then the beta in June. So it was like doing a startup within a startup and we were going very fast. I would say it's like a thrill and a chill because it was very (laughs) intense, more of a chill at the time. And then a thrill in hindsight, once it's done and it goes well well so we did a tier one launch in in june we launched on product hunt and we like what we were up until 4 a.m like getting votes and all of that kind of fun very early stage startup stuff so that was definitely high another thrill would be we recently just wrapped up messaging and positioning project. So I'm sure you can, all product marketers can relate. It's like quarter hour job, but it's really hard to find the time to actually sit down and do a proper mm-hmm. exercise, package it up and then roll it out. And we just spent Q3 doing that and I'm rolling it out now. So that feels like very just nice to have that done and then roll it out. Should I go to chills?
0: Yeah, no, I think those are like really good highs. I think one thing that you said that I want to hit on is sometimes those highs are chills, right? It's like where you are in the process. I have definitely had those where you're like, this is awful. I don't like this. Why are we doing this? This feels rushed. Then it gets out and you're like, it's a win. Okay, we did it. High five. Yeah. So that it becomes a high. So I can definitely, I have the experience as well. So I like that one, but let's hear some more. The chills and the lows.
1: The still. So I would say like big chills, not to like talk about pricing and packaging too much, but <laughs> during the October launch, because we made a pivot between the beta and the GA, we had a very tight timeline to do that. And because we're still a startup, we don't have like these amazing processes built out on how like all the teams engage with each other. And honestly, half the company was on this project. And this is interesting as well. When you talk about like, what is product marketing? Because I was definitely... Definitely going over into the product manager role a little bit. I was working with a biz ops person who had was transitioning into a PM role, and we were kind of just working in sync, like trying to figure out all the cohorts of all the people that would be affected by these changes. Mm. And the chill of pricing and packaging is that it's more risk mitigation and trying to figure out like how is this going to impact all the different groups that we have. And when you're growing fast and changing things, like you end up having a lot of cohorts that are. Public, they're like all internal cohorts. Yeah. So we had to just do like painstaking work to get through that to just figure out who these groups were, and then on top of that, we were doing a rebrand and a redesign of our website. Uh, okay. <laughs> and actually, like this is kind of like a thrill and a chill as well because. I pushed the whole company to release these two things at the same time because we were going to do it separately. And I was like, this is going to be awful for users. If they yeah. get a pricing change and then a brand design change two weeks later, we're going to look super amateur.
0: Yeah. And
1: so I was like, I know this is an engineering nightmare to do it together, but we have to do it together. Um, otherwise, it's going to make us look terrible. And so yeah. we pushed to do those things together. <laughs> which was brutal, but we did it. And I didn't think too many things broke. So yeah. (laughs) It's always
0: the breaking.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It was another chill, chill, but thrill. And then another one I would say is like, This is not one moment in time, but I think the dark side of being a jack of all trades and a little bit of a linchpin is you do a lot of invisible work that people don't see. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's like something that we as a industry product marketing have to figure out because there's a lot of stuff that we do that's impactful, but it's not nicely packaged and people don't see that it's being done. And I think that's a bummer. And that's like, it's hard because you're doing a and people don't see it sometimes. So I think that's a bit of a chill.
0: Yeah, that's a good one too, because you're always told, go like you have to evangelize your role, evangelize your work. And you're like, that's just like more work. Like you want me to send weekly wrap ups, and you're like, oh, I don't want to. Like, <laughs> You know, it's just what it comes down to. It's like like on a Friday afternoon, that's the last thing I want to do is recount. And so I know that it's worked in the past. I mean, I think it can work for some. You could, hey, do a loom and send something out. But I definitely agree that there's a lot of invisible work. I don't have a silver bullet for that one. But I think the thrill of that invisible work is when when it becomes visible. Yeah,
1: that's true. (laughs) You're
0: like, wait, this has already been done? It's like, Yeah hand raised it was me right so yeah also like
1: it just becomes even it's interesting because the way i've been in this role basically since in march after i started the pandemic hit and so it's interesting just to reflect on that as well because it's a whole new world in terms of socializing your own work right Mm -hmm. a lot harder when everyone's remote and you have to be more deliberate about it but yeah shameless plug for loom it definitely is a good way to do it
0: I know. I want to go one more step because sometimes you feel like I am doing this. You guys didn't see my email. You didn't see my Slack message. And it, people are just like, no, like, <laughs> you know? no. Our, so you have to like, there is a repetition to it. I know in my own world, I just came across this yesterday. Like I had built out these amazing dashboards for our company and I've explained it to them three times. And Then again, today I get pinged. Hey, do you know this, this, and the adoption? For-? I'm Like it's in the dashboard. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's go look at it. Right. And so I think there is this repetition and you have to build this in for your own, I would say, making it a habit for yourself so it can become a habit internally. I'm still working on it. I'm not that great at it. I wish I was better. I've seen people that are really good at this and I know I'm not them. So I'm right there with you in the lows on that one. Yeah. Well, Julia, thanks so much for coming on. It's been an absolute blast learning a little bit more about your time at Loam and even before then, but also. Also, just like what it takes and what it's like to work in a fast-paced startup where things look great and shiny, and on the inside it's maybe not as rosy. But I still think you guys have done an amazing job, and just watching what the company has done. So I think now a unicorn status too, right? Like over. Right. That's right. Yeah. So one and a half billion. (laughs) One and a half billion head of product marketing two years ago. That wasn't necessarily the case. So what a fun ride! And I can't wait till see what happens happens in the future and we'll definitely probably have you back on because I want to check back in and hear all about it
1: yeah I'd love that thank you so much
0: and now a quick word from our partners at clue stay in the know about your competitive landscape with clue share real-time insights across your organization with clues dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live through integrations with Salesforce slack High spot and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue. And we'll see you next Thursday. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, things you liked, things you wanna hear, anything else, please email us at podcasts at sharebird.com. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I look forward to seeing you next week.